Hey there! Welcome to the second episode of the brand new podcast that I decided to start, where I, your host, Tyler, or you can call me Swinford, whichever you prefer, talk about things that I've recently uh, digested and learned about, I guess. I was trying to sound way too smart there. Just things I like, you know? Things that I've recently started to like. And I figured, why not share these experiences with everybody else in the world? If they want. So, pretty much, I'm just going to talk about a bunch of random stuff. So, let's just do it. Um, so, the first thing I want to talk about is an album that I revisited uh, last, or this week. I actually visited, revisited it last night, I think. And um, it's an album by one of my favorite bands, the hit band Weezer. Ah! That was stupid. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Weezer. Now, for those of you don't, who don't know, they're, like a, they're real popular in the 90s. And I'm reviewing their second album, Pinkerton, the deluxe edition, might I add, which, in my opinion, is severely underrated, the deluxe edition. Like, the whole album, people kind of like it now, but back in the day when it came out, a lot of people didn't like it. And they were like, Weezer, this album kind of sucks. Why is it so sad and depressing? But, like, over the years... uh, over the years, fans of like Weezer started to like and come around to it, and it's one of their most famous records to date. Now, it's not like it's not their best album, in my opinion. I think their best is the Blue album, but this album, I feel a really strong connection to it because I can like really relate to the lyrics in a weird way. I guess like I feel as though I'm in the place of the songwriter Rivers Cuomo. I feel like man, I could be Rivers right now banging out these songs about my feelings. So, now, you're probably wondering, Tyler, why can't I just listen to the normal album? Well, I'm gonna tell you, slow down. So, I think the normal album, it, it, there's, I think the normal album, it kinda lacks a few songs and different takes of songs. And, you know, the deluxe edition has a bunch of new additions and stuff, and acoustic versions of songs, and a, a good example of, like, that is, like, a live version from Shorecrest High, I think, where they sung the song a Good Life, and it sounds better on acoustic, in my opinion, in my opinion, obviously, but it, you get that real feeling that the camaraderie they have, and you feel like you're part of that, you feel like, man, I feel like I'm up on stage with Weezer right now, or maybe I feel like I'm in the crowd, uh, dancing about now i've seen weezer in concert before so that's like i saw them last month or so and i i figured well okay let's listen to a live track again to see if i can kind of gain that feeling i had at the concert but not being at the concert and it, I, I came close to it i, I do say I, I came very close i was like man i feel like i'm right there because i had some headphones on I have my eyes closed, just imagining the life. But enough of that. So, I figure, let's just talk about some of my favorite songs from the record. So, the first one would be El Scorcho, just the normal version. The the um, the other version's fine, too. I think there's another version on the record, the album, I think. But I'm not sure off the top of my head. But uh, El Scorcho, it's just a fun song, you know? It's... But it, the lyrics are kind of nonsensical in a way, but after you listen to it a few times, you kind of get, oh, okay, I see what this is about. 
So El Scorcho, that's what that's called. And another one is Butterfly, which is kind of sad. Or it is sad. It's not kind of sad. It's terribly sad, but it also feels kind of corny. But, you know, if you like corny stuff like me, then I think you'll like Butterfly and you'll really get in the feels. But, you know, getting in the feels can sometimes be a good thing. Um, next would be the one I already suggested, Good The Good Life. Um, the acoustic version and just the normal version they put on there. They're both good. I prefer the acoustic version, but I think you can still rock out to the normal version. And the last song is I Swear It's True, which is probably my personal favorite from the album. It's I think it's the first one I heard off the album, and I don't hear many people talk about it, so I really want to give that one some light. The The guitar riff is just... It's just banging. It's like, whoa, this is so angry. And I love that. I love the angry garage rock sound. So if you want to check out a really well-made album with some pretty decent songs and some really good songs, then check this out and tell Weezer, add him at Twitter and say, uh, Swinford, Swinford, he told me to listen to this album. You can tell him that. <laughs> All right, next thing, next thing's next. That's not how that saying goes, whatever. But with Christmas coming up, I was like, I thought I'll, I think I'll get a jump on this Christmas thing. And I'll talk about one of my favorite Christmas episodes from one of my favorite shows as a kid. And you're like, what show is that, Tyler? Batman the Animated Series. Now, for those of you who don't know, Batman the Animated Series was a TV series from the 90s. But I grew up in the 2000s, but, you know, they had reruns and stuff of it. So you, you knew what it was. And I watched it. And I, you know, I really like superheroes, so I was like, ooh, this is Batman, and that's one of the first, like, times I've seen, like, a superhero in action, so th this was how, this was really special for me, so that's why I wanted to review this Christmas episode of it. Now, you're probably wondering what's so special about this episode. Well, it opens with the Joker in Arkham Asylum, and he's decorating the Christmas tree with the other inmates. And he gets to put the star on top on top of the tree. You know, they're like, "Yay, Joker's having a happy Christmas!" But while he while he's doing this, he's singing like the parody of Jingle Bells. You know, where Batman smells and Robin laid an egg. And I thought that was really kind of not funny, but it was like, "Ah, oh, that's cool. I like that. That's 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 fun. It's fun." And then he puts the star on top of the tree, and he begins to fly away as the tree turns into a rocket ship. And you're like, "Oh God." Joker escaped Arkham Asylum on Christmas Eve. We then cut to Batman and Robin, and they're suited up, and he and Robin are about to do a patrol of the city since Joker escaped, you know, like they always do. And Robin asks Batman if they can just stay home and watch It's a Wonderful Life. Batman says, no, we have to protect the people. And Robin asks if they can make a deal. If they don't see any crime going about, then they'll come back and watch it. Now... Robin's like, because Joker won't do anything. He's going to go be with his family. And Batman says, Joker doesn't have a family. So they end up getting in the Batmobile. And Robin's talking about It's a Wonderful Life. And Batman says, you know, I've never sat past the opening credits. I think that was kind of a funny joke. But we then see Batman and Robin suiting, not suiting up. Bleh. We We see them driving, or they're driving through the city, driving out of the Wayne Manor. And they're patrolling the buildings, and they don't find anything. You know, they see people being nice. They see this old lady walking away, and you see a guy running up, yelling at the lady. 
and Batman thinks he's gonna rob the lady, but she dropped a present and he gave it to her. And the old lady gave the young man a kiss on the cheek. <clears throat> but they go back to the mansion to watch It's a Wonderful Life. But what's on TV? The Joker. Oh dear, what is the Joker doing on TV? Um, but he he'd taken um, three police officers hostage. I know uh, one of them is Commissioner Gordon and the other one was some other people who I can't remember the names of. But the rest of the episode has Batman and Robin solving the crime and trying to stop the Joker. Now, obviously the Joker has obstacles in their way, like blowing up a bridge or something. You know, but you got a bunch of, like, classic Christmas songs in it. Kind of, or you got one Christmas song in it. You got the, uh, the, I think, the nut, the one from the Nutcracker. You have that song in there, and they're fighting giant Nutcrackers, and I think that's, that's fun. And I don't want to spoil what happens at the end, but Joker, the only reason he wants Batman to come save these people is so he can give Batman a present. And that's why he kidnapped the police officers. Now, I don't want to tell you what the present was, because... You know, it's pretty cool. But this is a really perfect example of a Christmas-themed episode, but still trying true to the episode. And it's one of my favorite Christmas episodes. Heck, it's one of my favorite episodes of the series. So if you like Batman, and if you like Christmas, and if you like a fun time, go watch this immediately. Or don't watch it immediately. Watch it towards Christmas. It's not Christmas yet, so wait. Okay, next up. I want to talk about some music. A new, a, mu- a new, not a new musician, but a new musician to my ears, and that's Margaret Margaret Glaspie. God, I can't speak today. So you know how this went about. How did I discover this artist? Well, I'll tell you. I was sitting, sitting, sitting down watching YouTube. I was watching Tiny Desk Concert, and I saw one in my recommended. It said Margaret Glaspie, and I was like, hmm. Who, who is this person? They look interesting. So I clicked on it. And man, was I blown away. I didn't expect to hear songs that made me feel just indescribable. It was like, whoa, Tyler, did you just get blown back? I did get blown back. That's what happened. She has a really powerful voice that just makes you feel like really good. You know, it's it's kind of raspy, but it's also soothing. Like it can be soothing. So I really like that, and you know, if I could describe her voice in any way, it would be like that. But you know, it's just like you don't expect this. Like she's not like she doesn't look. She'd have such a powerful voice, but she does, and it's cool. It's like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. But once I got past how amazing um, her voice was, I I started paying more attention to the lyrics, and I was kind of blown away again. Too blown away so far. Her lyrics were like, they're really clever and smart and fun and just, they, they felt real. And she does write all her songs, I should mention. Um, one one song in particular that, that I like, that I like like some lines from is Emotions and Math. She says something along the lines of, I'm in an ice cold bath of emotions and math. Because she's, you know, misses someone. And she's doing the math for them to come back. And the emotions are obviously her being sad and missing them. Um, I also want to mention how good she is at playing guitar. And I was blown away by that. So that's three times I was blown away in like the span of five minutes. I stayed up and listened to all her music. There's not too much of it, but I listened to all of it. 
and I just sat there and I had a big grin on my face like a like a really weird person but I, I liked it you know I've never really heard music like this or at least haven't heard anything like this in a long time it's very soulful and powerful and you can tell she really cares about it and I, I can appreciate an artist who cares about their music um so let me just suggest some songs to you that I like from her so the first one um, I heard, I already mentioned, was Emotions and Math. Just a song about missing someone and waiting for them to come back. And then another song is You're Smiling, and then in, in, a, what's the, in parentheses, You Don't Believe Me, or I Don't Believe You. And this song is just about a relationship that's kind of just going on, and it's just going on for just to go on. You know, you don't really know why it's going on, but there it is, it's going on. And then another one, which is the last one I want to talk about, is uh, You and I, which is very garage rocky and rough and cool and angry. The guitar riff is just so cool in that song. So I think that, that's, that's definitely one of my favorites. I think You and I might be my favorite one. Maybe Emotions and Math may be just a tad bit higher. But You and I is definitely worth listening. They're so They're different. Like all three of those songs I suggested, um, I think they're really good starters because they're all kind of in different styles, I guess. They're not all exactly the same, and they don't sound exactly the same. Her voice is almost not different, but it's not the same in every song, I guess, if that makes sense. So go check her out. I think she only has one album out and then a few EPs, maybe, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember off the top of my head. But she's definitely worth you checking her out. So go go do that right now. Next up is a comic book I want to talk about, which is Mr. Miracle. So I want to ask you a few questions before I start talking about Mr. Miracle. Do you want someone... I can't talk. God, I ruined that. It was going to sound so cool. Do you guys like... You know, someone taking a different take on a superhero genre? Well, then you should read Mr. Miracle. I hope that's cool now. I hope it's cool after I said it. <laughs> um, but I recently started reading his 1988 run, I think it was, which, if I'm not mistaken on that, it's his first solo series. And god dang, was it epic. Yes, it was epic. So, for those of you who don't know, I want to give you a brief really fast history lesson on Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle is an escape artist turned superhero. His identity, secret identity, his name is Scott Free, which is kind of, it's cheesy, but he was made in like the 70s, so what do you expect? That's what the 70s was all about. Um, also, he's pretty much a god from the planet Apocalypse, so he was kind of treated as a slave there, and he escaped with his wife, uh, Barda, uh, Big Barda, her superhero name, and they move into a house in a quiet neighborhood and try to be normal. And that's where the series picks up is them living in their house. And so Scott Barda and Scott's uh, partner in the superheroing, Oberon, move into a house in this quiet neighborhood and they try to be normal. Oberon, however, doesn't want to be normal since Scott's in the Justice League International. He should be a full-time hero. But Scott's like... Barda and I just want to settle down and try and try to start a family, but this series, this 
it's pretty much has been them trying to do that, which I think is fun. It's not. It's like the superhero superheroing is placed in the background, and in the foreground you have just people having fun, or not having fun, just living their lives, I guess. <clears throat> so you know you have you have Scott trying to open a repair shop to fix broken items, but he uses technology from his homeworld, which is really advanced, to fix everything really easily. And most of the conflict comes from people trying to like kidnap Scott and his wife and bring them back to Apocalypse. Or, for example, there's one one uh, one instance where uh, Booster Gold and the Blue Beetle, the Ted Cord Blue Beetle, which is kind of one of my favorites, who accidentally bring robots that want to kill superheroes in the Justice League to Scott's shop, and Scott doesn't can't fight him because he's like, I don't want these people to know I'm a superhero. So Booster Gold and uh, Blue Beetle have to defeat him, and they're just goofing around because they think it's a joke. Um, but I think it was it's a fun twist on the superhero genre this comic book is. You know, it's it's real fun. I feel like I'm reading a real family and you should check out the nineteen eighty eight run and then I also read a little bit of the Tom King run. I can't remember what year that came out. But just look up for the one by Tom King. He writes some amazing comic book stories that are about families sometimes. Like uh, he wrote the Vision one about Vision starting a family. So definitely go check, go check Mr. Miracle out in stores near you or on Comicsology or wherever you find your comics. Another comic book I want to talk about. This is more of a, a comic centric episode. Um, another comic I've been interested in, though, uh, a lot of people may not know about, is uh, the Smallville comic, which is like kind of the successor to the show. It's you know it's pretty much season eleven, or at least that's what people call it. It takes place a few months after the finale, and there's not really much... There's not, like, too much I have to say about this one, because I haven't gotten too far into it. But I do know that if you're a fan of the show, then you'll most likely like this. You know, I'm, I was a real big fan of the show, and I haven't finished the show yet. I don't know why I'm starting on the comic, but I find comics a lot more fun than the really dated TV show. And, you know, you'll like this if you're a fan of the show. And also... Batman does appear in this, which we never got to see in the show itself, so it does feel nice to see Batman. But this really isn't more of a suggestion. It's kind of like me informing you of something you may not know about. So, what's next, Tyler? You've talked about comic books. You've talked about... You haven't talked about movies! What movies have you watched? Well, let me tell you what movies I've watched. I watched one movie that I want to talk about first. And that's Just Friends, which is a movie starring Ryan Reynolds and Anna Faris and Amy Smart, I believe. Let me double check that. I think it's Amy Amy Smart. Uh, where is the cast? Yes, it's Amy Smart who plays Jamie Palomino. So this movie, I, I had a real big, I guess, pass to this movie. I watched it a lot when I was a kid. Because I would always see my parents watching it, and I was like, hmm, how about, how about I rewatch this, this movie, this old movie from 2005, and see if it still holds up. And I can tell you, I think, personally, it did hold up. It's it's a fun movie. It's, it's just Ron Reynolds, you know, it opens up, Ron Reynolds in high school, and he's, he's a big chubby dude, and he's best friends 
with this girl he has a huge crush on, but she doesn't like him back because they're friends, obviously. And he's planning to ask her out. He writes her a big note in the yearbook talking about how much he likes her and would like to be her boyfriend. But, uh-oh, the yearbooks get mixed up in the big jock. <laughs> the big jock. He's like, he reads it out loud, and that makes uh, Chris Brander, which is Ryan Reynolds, get upset. And Chris kind of leaves and doesn't come back to the city and goes to L.A. and becomes a successful, I think, music producer. I don't really know what he does. He does something in music. But, um, he's yeah, he's a record executive, sorry. And his boss is like, okay, I need you to take this pop star, Samantha James, who's played by Anna Ferris. I need you to take her to Paris or wherever. And Chris is like, fine, well, I'll do it, but I don't like her because she's really sexual, and I don't like her. <laughs> and they get on the plane on the way to Paris, and uh, Anna Ferris's character, Samantha James, puts a, a tinfoil, our food's like wrapped in tinfoil, and she puts it in the microwave, and uh-oh, we got to bring the plane down, and they, where do they land? Chris's hometown, Trent, New Jersey. Uh-oh. So Chris... He goes to a bar. He sees his old high school friends, Clark and Darla. And he's like, what's up, guys? It's Clark and Darla. And he's like, hey. And Anna Ferris is just trying to fit in, I guess. But she's really obnoxious. She's one of the things I don't like about this movie. I don't really like her as an actress. So if you don't like Anna Ferris, she's in this movie too much, probably. But Chris looks at the bar. And he sees his old lover, Jamie Palomino. Now I forgot to mention, but Chris Chris is fit now. He's he's big and kind of buff and in shape. She's like, "Wow, Chris, you look different." And Chris is like, he knows when they were in high school, she liked kind of jerky guys, but he doesn't know she's changed now. So he's kind of trying to be a jerk. And he asks her if she wants to get lunch, and they end up getting lunch. And just a lot of she sees him being a jerk. He rents a Porsche and stuff, and she doesn't feel like that's him. But there's just a lot of misadventures ensue. The their old other her old how do I say this? This guy that also used to like Jamie, but she didn't like him. Um, named Dusty Dinkelman. He's also handsome now. What two handsome guys? Ugly guys turn handsome, and they're not ugly. But for sake of for lack of a better word, nonetheless, they go to. They. <laughs> The uh, Dusty's trying to get Jamie too, but Chris, Chris just actually cares about Jamie and he wants to, he wants to actually be with her, but he later discovers that Dusty's been lying, and Dusty just wants to sleep with Jamie, so uh, Chris goes to confront uh, Jamie at at the children's choir concert and he's like Jamie, this guy's a sleazebag, and she doesn't believe him, and then he fights he fights Dusty Dinkelman. And then he gets kicked out, and all the kids don't like him. And he's drunk, so he decides to just leave and get out of town. And that's he talks to Jamie one more time, and she discovers that Dusty was right, but he's still, but Chris is still being a jerk. So she kicks him out of the bar, and he leaves, and he goes he goes home. But then he realizes he's made a mistake, so he goes back, and he kisses her, and then they're together. And it's just so nice. It made me feel so happy that 
Chris and Jamie Palomino got together after all these years. And the movie, it ends on a sweet note where the three kids we've seen previous in this movie who didn't like Chris, we have one kid with the glasses who is the friend of the girl and another boy. The kid with the glasses asks the girl if she wants a cookie. He says, she says, sure, I'll take a cookie. And it's his last cookie. And then she gives the cookie to the other guy that she likes. And the kid who's the friend says, the he says a bad word that I'm not going to say on this podcast. And it really it really ends there. And I think that's a perfect ending to a subpar movie that's not amazing. But it, it have good memories of it. You know, it's a fun movie. I think if you have a girl or a boy and you want to you wanna watch a movie with them, watch this. If you guys used to be friends, watch it with them. If you are friends and you like her, don't watch this with her because that'll be creepy. So, to round it out... I want to talk about a show that I recently watched within one week, and it has five seasons, and I shouldn't have watched that much in one week. And that show is The IT Crowd, starring Richard Aowati, Chris O'Dowd, and Catherine Parkinson. Also, Matt Berry's in it, but that's kind of the later seasons. So, what is this show? If I could describe it in the simplest terms possible, I would say, Funny Big Bang Theory. Because that's kind of what it is. Uh, this started in 2005, if I'm not mistaken. And this show follows uh, Maurice Moss, which is Richard Aowati, um, uh, Roy something, who is Chris O'Dowd's character, and then Jen Barber, I think, who is uh, Catherine, Catherine's character. And this the show is just Chris... Sorry. This show is... Uh, Moss and Roy, and they are, they work in the IT crowd, and Jen's their new manager. So they're like, she doesn't know anything about computers, and she doesn't. So just a bunch of misadventures ensue over these five seasons. You have Moss, who's a character, He as a character, he's very awkward and stiff and just weird. Uh, so one of the weird things about him is he's kind of clueless. Uh, for example, there was a fire. So what does he do to stop this fire? He, he gets out the the fire extinguisher he leans in to read it and it says stand upright and he stands upright and he's like that's not right i can't read it and then he's like i am a giddy goat and he, he leans back down and pulls the pin on the thing and then the fire hydrant not fire hydrant the the fire extinguisher lights on fire so he's like Ah, uh, I don't know. Ah, ah, and he's he says, "I'll just put this over here with the rest of the fire." And how, what does he do? What? How does he? How does he solve this problem? Does he call the fire department? No, he emails them. He says, "Dear Sir Stroke Madam, fire exclamation point fire exclamation point, please come at your earliest convenience. Look forward from hearing to you, from you, Maurice Moss." And that's kind of a lot of the comedy with this show. Um, you also have Roy, who is kind of a bad person. <laughs> he just kind of wants to have sex with women. But Roy, he's kind of really self-conscious, too. For example, he saw an old childhood friend, and he wanted to show him that he was successful, but he accidentally had a bunch of window-washing equipment, and his friend thought he was a window-washer. So he finally gets in contact 
with his friend. And he says, I'm not a window washer. I work at IT. And his friend asks what programs he works with. And Roy says, mostly Windows. And the show just ends there. I think that's a really funny way to kind of circle it all back around. And then Jen, she's also like a bad person. She's like female Roy. Uh, she she doesn't really do anything funny to me. I don't, like I think she's fine in the show, but she doesn't really have any funny parts. Um, the show is kind of dated. A lot of the jokes, at least in, especially in like the first two or three seasons, are really dated. But it does get a lot better. Um, it's a British comedy show. I probably should have mentioned that at the beginning. So if you like British people sounding funny, then you'll like this. So with all that out of the way, if you thoroughly enjoyed this episode then tell me you thoroughly enjoyed this episode and stop leaving me hanging bethany okay i just want this to do good so if you liked it honestly then leave leave, leave me a like and as always if you have a suggestion for me to watch uh put it in the comments or the down below and i'll be like oh richard 798 said Tyler, you should review 10 Things I Hate About You. And I'll talk about that movie next week, maybe. If someone says that, obviously. Um, Also, if you want to leave me a review on iTunes with that five-star, do that. Say, five-star review, Tyler. Leave something really funny, and I'll read it next episode, and I'll be like... I'll say something funny, or I'll say whatever it says. I won't say anything funny. I'll say what it says, okay? You get what you paid for. So... You don't pay for this. Um, Also, the podcast is now going to be available on iTunes and Spotify. The first episode wasn't, but it should be now. Um, If you have any questions, you can contact me on Twitter, at Swinford. Or, wait, no, at TSwinny. Or you can probably search Swinford and find me. So, have a wonderful evening, morning, or night, wherever you are. I don't care. 